News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Happy Sunday. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with me, like always, Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. Good morning, guys. Good, Good morning. morning. Holy smoke. Look at the colors out here. It wow. It's so beautiful. I yep. love the fall colors. It's just <laughs> a time of year where you can get outside and go for a walk and, and just enjoy the beauty. The fall we've had has lasted so long. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we haven't had really, 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 I mean, we had a couple of frost, but not but really, really light. Really Nothing light. That, that really took out everything hardcore, I think, right? I think this week, Wednesday, we're supposed to be in some places around Saskatchewan, like minus four. That might change. But I've I mean, heard that, yeah. I've heard but, that, uh, that that's but, on the forecast. But other than that, it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been minus tens or anything yet, which would really knock the leaves off, you know? Exactly. So, um, there's, there's, in fact, you know, as much as we say there's, there's amazing color, there are still quite a few solid green trees too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What are the ones that last longer being green, Rick? Probably poplars. Poplars sometimes will just drop green. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My birches are still only just starting yeah. to yeah. turn. My birches as well. Like they're mostly yeah. green. There's one I see a few yellow leaves on it now, but that's about it. They're and, still pretty much green. And birches and maples, that's where you need to, uh, and I was talking to you about that before, Jay, is that, you know, you need to slow down the watering on your grass. I know Which you, I have. Like, you like keeping your grass nice and green. <laughs> slow down the watering on your grass a bit because so, you want those birches and maples to turn color. Right. You want them. You don't want them going to into the really November green, okay? That, that's when you're gonna get tip kill and those kind of things, so. And they just wanna keep growing. They're just on steroids, right? Mm-hmm. They just, willows too, they just wanna keep growing. They just don't wanna stop. And so we gotta give them a little bit of stress to say, okay, turn color. So, um, we've gotta back up on the watering. Speaking of water, so yes. if we've got a minus four temperature coming yes. up, is that too cold for a manifold to be on? Yeah, manifolds, you, you may want it, because only one night, right? It's, it's only be, one night. Where's it going to be the next night? I think, I think it's, it's I think the next night is zero or something like that. That's what they're calling you for. Always, so, you always would tell me, Jill, go grab a blanket and yeah, put it just, over top of your manifold yeah. and just cover it up for the night. Yeah, because the heat from the house will help. But, you know, if you put a blanket over top of it, the heat from the house will help protect it. Okay. You know, even a piece of plastic or something, you know, just to, just to protect it. And um, um, just make sure the plastic is away from not touching the uh, the Almost pipes. Almost creating now. a little mini greenhouse. Just a, a little bit of an air gap between the pipes and the plastic that will create enough heat, heat from the house that your radiant heat from the house that it won't. Because you don't remember, when it's minus four, it's minus four from about five o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. till around seven o'clock in the morning. Right. Right. There's about two hours where it's really cold. It's not minus five all night long. That's At this time of year. That's when you're going to get problems, right? Yes. And, um, well, because I'm just looking after that, and then there's there's better temperatures yep. after that as well. There's, you know, three, yep. four sort of thing. Yep. And if you're really worried about it, hook a hose to it, right? Mm-hmm. And put it to a tree or something like that, and just let it have a little dribble all night long. Right? Oh, you got water movement. Just not your birches, maples. Yeah. <laughs> but you got water movement. If you got water, you got movement, that one, Jay. <laughs> just a little bit of water movement. You won't have any. Your pipe won't freeze, right? Now so. I lost a maple one year um, because my backyard was is like one of those underwater springs in it. Yeah, it was kind really of goes out to a park. Yeah. And so I said to my dad, I said the tree's just not changing color, yeah. and it didn't change color. And the next year, it did not survive. So what we did is we actually dug down in the back of the yard and put two sub pumps in the back of our yeah, we yard. We dug little wells, and we oh, wow. yeah. we had to pump the sub pumps out back into the into the yeah. park. So yeah, we put it. We ended up putting a, a float on them, and they ran all summer long. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Dewatering, right? But so, my trees live now. <laughs> yeah, now the trees are actually growing. So, okay, all right. There but you, you know go. what? We're also getting uh, one thing. 
one thing about the falls that there's one thing about this beautiful weather that people are still coming in and buying their garlic and their tulips yeah. and daffodils. They're still planting. They're still planting shrubs and trees. I've been really busy with uh, all the contractors that are going like crazy. You know, the condo projects and that kind of stuff. They're planting shrubs and trees like crazy right now because yeah. they're just trying to get everything finished up, right? And uh, so that's happening lots. And also getting lots of calls about people saying that they're evergreens whether it be their spruces, their pines, their cedars especially, they're having brown needles all of a sudden popping up. Mm, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, those have been showing up a little bit all summer. They're just really noticing it now because they're really this, just like just like the leaves turn color, the the the, the evergreens will always lose a few needles in the fall, especially, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially scotch pines and those kind of things. You always notice interior needles. That's a normal thing. Uh, if you see a little bit more than usual, it's usually because of stress. And stress could be from too much water or too little water. Right, okay. Okay, so drought or too wet. It could be from either one of those. It could be from a fungal, okay, or it could be from spider mite. And spider mite work from the inside, bottom, and they work their way up and out. Oh, okay. And so that's why you'll get a lot of needles that have been sucked on all summer long, and then now they're just because of fall, like plants lose their needles anyways on the inside. Uh, they just get more than usual. So... Things you can do right now is just probe the soil, like I always say, with a piece of rebar. Check the moisture level. If it's really dry, they need some moisture right now. And then again, in about two weeks' time, okay? And then uh, if it's really wet, aerate. Poke some more holes. Poke some holes, yeah. And then aerate, dry the soil out a little bit. Or if it's spider mite next summer, next June, you want to spray them with malathion or endol or something to bring the numbers down. And uh, if it's a, if we think of it as a fungal, I mean, you can spray with copper spray or Bordeaux three times next next spring, and uh, basically starting in June, and then you spray them with the hose and sprayer so it gets right inside, mm-hmm. and then you know it's six three times uh, two weeks apart, and you can control that, and then also fertilizing starting next May the tenth right to July the fifteenth, fertilize especially this was I saw a picture today of a. It was a pretty tall uh, cedar, about six feet wide or so, and it had lots of like reddish brown needles in yep, it. Yep. And so I said, yeah, just um, start fertilizing next spring and get that lots of growth to happen so you fill in those bare spots again. And so um, so health, health of the tree uh, is, is huge so that you don't get so much needle drop in the fall. Okay. Well, let's go to the text line because we've actually got text that have rolled in. You can join the conversation by calling or texting one 332 This is for Bernice, I believe. And she says, I have a Floribunda type rose and two hostas, which I was going to plant, uh, in, uh, at, uh, Mantarino's of uh, uh, southwest of Kindersley, so an area yep. near Kindersley. Yep. Uh, the grasshoppers were so bad, I put it off. Is it an area that often gets little snow? It's an area that often gets little snow cover, so okay. not a lot. Yes. Can I keep them over winter and plant them in the spring? Also, should I be, water- should I be watering raspberries, Saskatoons, lilacs, and roses? Okay, so the Floribunda rose. Yep. Best to leave it in the pot and put it into the garage or the basement. Um, garage, if you're going to be... As long as the grass doesn't go below minus ten, okay. Mm-hmm. And you don't keep it super hot. Too. And don't keep it super hot. You want to, if if your grass, you keep your grass below zero, you know, minus five, plus five, in that range, uh, then you, I'd keep the floor bunda there, okay, because it won't survive the winter in the pot outside. The hosta won't survive the winter in the pot as well, but you can plant the hosta pot and all into the ground. 
Well, you can do that with the rose too, couldn't you? Well, that's a tea rose. That's it's a tea rose. Four oh. bundles. Tea zone rose. five six rose. Um, so if you wanted to keep it outside, you would have to um, maybe even dig a hole that's a little bit deeper, about one to two feet deep, yep. and then lay it down in the hole. I did a trench. And then dig, dig, a, dig trench. a trench. Yes. And then lay it down the hole, and then bury that whole thing. Yeah, and oh, actually wow. do it near the foundation of your house if you can. But or if you can't, just put it out because she said she didn't know much snow cover, right? Yeah, sorry, I, I mispronounced it. Mantario, which is southwest of Kindersley, she says, yeah. yeah, it's an area that often gets little snow cover. Yeah, so that's the problem, right? So what you want to do is you dig a trench, lay it down flat, that Floribunda tea rose, lay it down flat, and put some. What you want to do then put some plastic over top. Uh, put some dirt around the pot and that, put some plastic over top of the plant and then cover it full of leaves or straw or something. And then, then next spring, take it off and then and you And if can you don't use. want to use plastic, burlap works great to put over top of the yeah. plant. Too. Well, I, one thing I like plastic about is that it just retains the, and I like to do a bigger area with the plastic, yeah. not just right at the plant. So it keeps a heat sink up from the oh, ground. Okay. And that's what I do with my nursery products all the time is we put like roast, 400 foot rows of plants, right, in yep, pots. Yep. And we put a 20 foot piece of plastic and I, I blow with a veil processor, I blow flax straw on top. Mm, right? Okay. Yep. Covered up. And a lot of, some nurseries use insulated tarps like they use for, you know, con- keeping concrete insulated in the wintertime. You know, they're orange or they're white or black or whatever. I like using white ones. Or I'll use black and or orange and I'll use a silver tarp over top of that. Right. Yep. And, uh, and then that way they'll protect the plants because when the snow comes, that little bit of snow comes, covers up the edges of tarps. It goes to minus two underneath that tarp and stays there all winter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another thing you can do is you can take like a box and put a box over top of some of your roses and some of yep. your tender perennials and, and tender, tender shrubs and fill that box with dry leaves. And then that will add as a nice insulator as well. And then I'd put two stakes on either side of the box so the wind doesn't blow it away. But if you have an area that doesn't get much snow, usually the wind is blowing it a lot too. Yeah. So then that will keep those plants mm. nice and... And uh, up against the foundation of the house yeah. with that tea rose, you could do that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. open, the flaps, open the flap, bottom flaps of, yep. the, of the box and then put some dirt on top of it and fill the box with leaves. Excellent. Okay. So I hope, uh, Bernice, it helps you with your, with your rose there. We're going to get to some texts coming up from Brian, Kay and Regina, uh, Joanna and Estevan. Who else we've got here? Linda and Regina, Judy and Saskatoon, and more than that. So stick around. All the answers are coming up. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. We're expecting to see a whole bunch of people kind of stream past our window here at some point during the show. I think yes. it kicks off at 10 o'clock, and I'm talking about the CIBC run for the cure with the Canadian yep. Cancer Society in Saskatoon. In Saskatoon, yes. Um, if if you still think you'd like to donate, there's always a way you can do that on their website. I've, yeah, I found it. You can go to their their website and you can donate. Or if you wanted to just even still do a walk, you can probably still join in on the walk or just join somewhere in your neighborhood and walk for, for a purpose too. So Yeah, exactly. So There'll be a um, lot of people walking by here. Right there away. will. There will. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, my wife's going to be streaming by here at some point <laughs> as well. So yep. maybe we'll get a little wave. Okay, we'll go back to the text line here. one 877 because we've had so many... Uh, rolling in, which is great. Brian is in Humboldt. Says, I mix my own blends of fertilizer. What kind of blend should I apply on my lawn at this time? Yep. Which fertilizer should I use and how much of each in 100 pounds? Okay, so, um, how much each is, is a little tougher because it all depends on the type of fertilizer it is. Uh, but if they, you want to blend your fertilizer, you, best to, I like, I like using, if you got, if you're making your own blend, you don't need a high nitrogen, probably below, you know, somewhere around 15 to 20. 
the number being the number twenty. Okay, yeah. and then but then put a little bit of uh, in the fall. I like to put a little bit of phosphorus. Okay, so around a ten, you know, okay. phosphorus. Um, and then what you want to do then is also then you want to put a little potassium because. The potash helps makes the plant hardier for the winter time. It gets ready to shut down. So in around, usually there's around a four to six in that range, sometimes up to a maximum of 10. So that was like a 15, 10, six, yeah. basically. And then, then you want to go with the fourth number, which is sulfur. Like if you have an elemental sulfur, if you can put that down, that'll help your, your plants. The P, it'll basically, from blood of Saskatchewan, it'll, it'll balance the pH a bit mm-hmm. and have the plants uptake the nutrients. And that way you don't have to use such a high nitrogen. You know, we talk about using less nitrogen and all that kind of stuff. Well, one way you can do that is by adding things. And even what they're using right now is they're in the farming community, they're starting to use more things like humic, you know, to mm. capture carbon in the soil, but also it helps buffer the soil so that especially in alkaline soil, you're getting your more of your balanced pH, and then you don't need this how much nutrients for the plants to uptake the, the, the nutrients itself. So, I mean, so using the phosphorus and even a little bit of iron, which is a, which is a fifth number, uh, iron up, up to number three and with iron you can use. Uh, and then, of course, there's if, if you have access to all the other micronutrients like boron, magnesium, those kind of things, because a lot of the fertilizers don't have all that stuff. And all plants need all those micronutrients because we tend to, we clean up our yard, we take all that away, right? Every mm-hmm. fall, when yeah, the leaves sure. fall down, we clean it all up. We want to cut our perennials off. We want to clean it up. We want to clean up everything, right? And so you go to the a bluff in the, in the bush, uh, everything drops to the ground and it creates a, it creates a big, smorgasbord of different mulches and leaves and everything else food branches year, food, yeah. food that breaks down and makes all these microbes and and the microbes break down things and eat and give give the plant the food so we're taking away all that so if you can add all those micronutrients in and things like alfalfa pellets even uh there's all kinds of micronutrients in alfalfa pellets so all those kind of things you can do to add uh, that's more organic into that is perfect. How does Brian figure out how much to use each for a hundred pounds? What's the? Well, basically, what you want to do is you want to you you don't want to go over a uh, hundred pounds of end per acre. Okay. okay. So that's in the end one. Okay. That I'm not sure the ratio how you do for the other ones, uh, but uh, but basically an end is the is key one is not a, more than a hundred pounds of end per acre. Okay. All right. Okay. We've got some more text to do, but we've got a call that's rolled in. So let's go out to Regina right now and talk to Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. Good morning. How are you? Good. Very How are good. you? Love your show. Thank oh, you. thanks. Um, I bought uh, a 12-inch pot of hens and chicks and never got around to pot, to planting them in the soil. Uh, can I overwinter these in the basement, or should I be digging a hole, putting them in the ground, or... I'm not sure what to do with them, and I know they need a dry area, and a lot of my yard is is a wet area, so <laughs> that was the, 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 my dilemma. You can do either of those. You can dig a hole in the yard and uh, and plant them for next year, and you can dig them up again. They're they're a pretty easy one. Um, if you do that, I would just maybe cover them with some extra leaves or something to give them some some extra um, extra insulation. Or you can keep them in the basement too. Um, they are succulents, so they thrive on neglect indoors. So make sure you pretty <laughs> much don't a- water them. Maybe water them once a month I- indoors, and okay. uh, and then you can plant them outside next year. I do have grow lights down uh, in my basement. Mm-hmm. Um, it, should I put them under the grow lights or, or just leave them under a table? Or 
If you want to keep them actively growing, um, you can put them under the grow lights. Um, with those ones, they don't even really need to go dormant for the winter. Okay. Um, so you can keep them as like um, as a nice live succulent under grow lights if you want to. And um, if you don't, then they will get that browning underneath the leaves and you sort of just sort of take those all off and then let them start again with their little should, pups for next year. Should I put them in new soil at all? Because they're really compact. Um, you can re-transplant them if you want to indoors because you'll be watering them so, like, so little. Um, it, 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 the soil doesn't really matter too much. You're not wanting them really to actively grow unless you're wanting them to, to keep multiplying throughout the winter so you have more. Then you can plant them into a larger pot with some new soil. Okay. I have another question about hydrangeas. Uh, I bought two uh, plants, uh, Pinky Winky, and uh, they, um, I'm just planting them now. And I want, want to know a little bit more about the uh, pH balance. How do I get to adjust the pH balance in the soil? Yeah, just aluminum sulfate or sulfur? Sulfur? Uh, yeah, sulfur, aluminum sulfate. And, and add, you know, uh, on your plant, probably add about two or three teaspoons. Would she do that when she's transplanting? Yeah, she would even do year? it right when she yeah. transplanted. Okay. Even. And just lowering the pH of the soil, it makes them hardier and it also gives them better blooms. And okay. uh, and if you want to, every once in a while, you can do a soil test on, on your soil. And because okay. you want your soil around 6.5 to 7, okay, for the hydrangeas. Okay. And uh, and you can do that with the soil test. You can get it at a garden center, but you just got to remember when you do that soil test, you can't use tap water. You have to use uh, um, distilled. distilled water, okay? Perfect. Otherwise, you throw your, bal- your, bal- your test all out of whack using okay, tap water. Okay, I will be doing that today sometime. Okay. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you for your Thanks. information. Yeah. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've got like ooh, like a minute and a half. So, uh, Bruce, just because it might take us more than that to answer your question, we're going to hang on to your call till we get back from the break. So, just stick with us. We're going out to to, to Katepwa Lake shortly. I'm going to answer a quick text first. This is along with what we were talking about yep. with our last caller, Kay in Regina. Text us and said, "When should garden soil be tested? The spring, the fall, both? When? Either one. Doesn't matter. Nope, doesn't matter. You can." Test is a test, so spring or fall doesn't matter. And then if you do it in the fall, then you know what you got to do for the spring. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. Right? Okay. So Joanna in Esteban, uh, the text line says, "My cantaloupes have turned a creamy color, have developed that webbed look, but they're only the size of softballs. So will they grow any larger if I leave them on the vine? If I continue to cover them, or is yeah, that- if, you can, if your if your frost didn't get the leaves, continue to cover them." And they will put on a lot of growth and finish ripening up here this this fall. They're starting to ripen, but they're not very big. So yeah. this, do you think these might get any bigger? If the leaves are green, they will get bigger. Okay. Okay. So but go, if the leaves turn brown, then pick them and just ripe them inside. So just go as far as you can with that, yep. basically. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Some of the varieties that you get are, are miniature varieties, too. So if you wanted to, to test one of them, yeah. but like Rick said, keep them on the vine as long as you can. Yeah, it, uh, we Our season is pretty short, so that's why. Yeah. All right. We're going to get to a text from Linda, Judy, uh, Glenn, Ray, Jeanette, and so many more, as well as Bruce's call as soon as we get back. Right now, it's a new time for a news update for everybody. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Big blue sky, lots of colors. It's a pretty gorgeous Sunday, I should say. I'm Jay Thomas here with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk, and thanks for joining us and listening. Uh, we've got lots of text to get to, but we also got Bruce on the line who's been waiting patiently, and we've got to thank him for that. We're going to Katepwa Lake right now to talk to Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Hey, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Rick, I've got a dwarf Korean lilac, and it's about 
and it's a hedge, and it's about 20 years old. And over the years, it's gradually got higher and higher, and it's around five feet high, and I find it hard to prune or to uh, to trim it. What is a good time to take? I'd like to cut it back at least a foot all the way uh, on the sides and on the top, so it's a little easier to manage. Uh, when would be a good time to do that? If it's a, if it's only a foot, okay. You, I, yeah. you, I would suggest if you want to do it a foot, then do it after it finishes blooming next next spring. Okay. okay? Then you can take it back, and then it'll still push out and then fertilize it, and it'll still push out blooms next year, okay? If you want to go more than a foot, do it when the plant is dormant, so when the leaves are off, either this fall or next spring, but you will lose blooms for one each season, okay? okay. And yeah. I've done that with mine. I've cut mine down to, used to be almost six feet tall, and I've cut it down to three feet, right? Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, and I've done that. I've just done it with dormant. And I still get some flowers. I just don't get a huge amount of flowers like they normally do, right? Dwarf oh, cream, another name for it is Myers lilac is another name for it. But it's uh, it. Uh, but the following year, it'll have tons and tons of blooms again. Okay, Rick, now uh, can I uh, take and cut that with a chainsaw, or do I have to uh, have something sharp like a... Uh, the tweezers or something like that. What yeah. do you recommend? Uh, uh, when I cut mine down, I'd <laughs> use a really sharp pair of uh, of hedge trimmers or electric trimmers. But the chainsaw, what'll happen is that it'll it'll, it'll fray, and yeah. all the little branches will just caught get caught up in your chain. Okay, it it, yeah. it it just tear right. It won't cut nice. Okay. So um, so that's the one thing. But if, some of the other bigger lilacs, like Royalty Lilac, Miss, Miss Canada, that kind of stuff, a chainsaw works because it's big branches. But yeah. the Dwarf Korean is such small branches that you'll find that, yeah, it'll just tear, and then also the branches will get caught up in your chainsaw, and you'll be struggling with your chainsaw and cutting it. Um, okay. You can reach in and get some of the bigger branches, but there's not very many great big branches when you're only cutting a foot off. I, I have a, a hedge trimmer that's mounted on a, on a, a gas motor. And- oh, perfect. Uh, that, that should do it, Tony. That, that'll do it. You still will. You still will fray. You know, shred a little bit at the ends, but as long as it's yeah. sharp, you'll do a good job. Okay, I'll cut her back three feet. I think that makes more sense. Yeah. Then that way you don't have to do it for a bunch of years, right? And so you'll still get some flowers, but the following year you get tons and tons. And so groundkeeper fertilizer in the spring. That'll work awesome. Okay. Yep. Well, thanks for taking my call. You're Appreciate welcome. it, Bruce. Have a great day. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Back to the text line right now. So uh, we've got who's this? Linda in Regina said just what we were talking about before. With minus four coming up this week, if we blow out the sprinklers, is it okay not to be watering the lawn and shrubs anymore this fall? Yeah, most people also have another tap that they can access that not hooked up to a manifold. So I'm suggesting if you start, if you like, if you're going to blow out sprinklers, blow them out, and or if you have your own compressor. You know, at least, at least blow out your manifold part, you know. You can hook, that's where you normally hook up your, your compressor anyways. Yep. Blow out your manifold, don't even worry about your underground stuff, and then turn it back on again when the risk of frost is going on and blow it out again. Yeah, it's, it's not it, really that much work, is No, it? it's not that much work if you if you got your own. But if you have somebody coming in and doing it for you, because uh, they're going to come around and do it, you don't have a ch- choice, right? Because they, they're busy. So, so get it blowing out, and then just use a, t- a regular tap to do your last watering in about a couple weeks from now. But if you were to say stop right now, if you if you're going to get your sprinklers blown out this week and and have the water and totally the shut off, totally shut off, give everything a good watering now. Okay, okay? And, and it should make it okay. It's been pretty dry. 
Yeah, it right. Has. It's been it pretty has. dry. So give everything a good watering now and it'd be okay. Because look at the leaves turning color. Yeah. They're not absorbing a lot of moisture anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. it'll be fine. Okay. Uh, this is Judy, who's in Saskatoon. I have a crab apple tree that needs pruning. When can I? Is now a good time? Yeah. I like waiting until the leaves at least turn color. Right. Okay. Or start to fall. That's, I prefer that. Uh, or so anytime I do it between uh, basically the middle to the end of October until the end of November, mm-hmm. then I stop. And then I do it again. Uh, I'll start again anywhere time in March when the weather's a little bit warmer and right through the first week of April. Okay. All right. Uh, this is Glenn. We have lots of wireworm damaged potatoes this year. Can I use them for seed or will I introduce wireworms to next year's patch? Yeah, obviously they're going to be they'll be dormant there, and you'll have wireworms again. Um, that's how they'll definitely will begin if you use. Okay, so seed. basically, when you got wireworms in those potatoes, get yeah. rid of them. Yeah. Um, what can we do to prevent potato scab? This is uh, the second no, part of his not, test. Not as much compost in the area we're going to put potatoes, and don't forget you're going to rotate your potatoes to a different area of the garden next year. Yep. So when you put your compost down, put less compost, very little compost in the area where you're going to put your potatoes. In fact, if you've added some for years and years and years, you yes. probably can skip it this year for that yep. area you're going to put potatoes. Exactly, because they 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 all fix their own nitrogen, so they don't need very much of that. And if you get too much manures or all that kind of stuff, you will get potential scab. And then you need to stay away from that spot for two or three years. Mm, okay. So okay. quite a while. All right. Uh, let's go to the phone lines right now. one 332 8255 In Saskatoon, Connie's joining us. We're going to talk about pruning an ash tree and some flower bed stuff. Hi, Connie. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Thank you. Two quick questions. We have a mature ash tree um, and um, it needs some pruning. Is it now a good time to do that? Yeah, with ash trees, you can see that most of them will turn color already in the ash. So as soon as they turn yellow, then you can prune them. Okay. Um, on the, the parts that you prune, do you have to put the pruning paint, for example, and we've got some, it's quite a large tree. Um, do you have to seal those edges? The only time I seal the edges is if they're over two inches in diameter. Okay. Over two inches. Okay. And otherwise, if you just watch, if you go on to Google and look on proper ways to prune, uh, when you cut the, there's proper ways to prune. Like if you leave a long stub, it'll rot back into the main trunk. If you cut it too short, it won't heal properly. So you got to leave a collar. So there's a certain way you cut it and a certain angle you cut it so that it'll heal properly. And then, like when you see the arborist doing in the city doing the big trees, they cut a lot of branches off and they don't do any pruning paste, right? But those guys are trained to cut it so that it will heal properly and the water will drain off of it. And uh, then, you know, so it'll, it will, it won't have that effect. But, uh, but if you find that if it's a big wound and so all that center wood in the center part doesn't heal up, right? So now you got raw wood exposed and, and if you cut it so there's jagged little edges inside or flat parts where the water will sit, it's like sitting on a deck with no treatment on your deck. Eventually your deck will rot, right? And so that way if you get it on an angle so the water sheds off, uh, keep it clean so the, there again no water accumulates and, and doing the proper cut then it will heal properly and then it will uh, protect itself. Okay, great. And question two, we have um, just developing some flower beds, our perennial beds, and um, on the north side of the fence it's quite, the soil is quite, uh, quite firm. What would you recommend to lighten it up? If it's really heavy soil, there's a couple things you can use. One is gypsum. 
Uh-huh. Okay, and the other one is just a cedar mulch, and you work it into the soil. And those two, oh, and those two things will loosen up the soil lots because you. What happens? You got a little bit of clay and maybe a little bit of sand involved in your soil, and it, once you get it moist, it plugs up all those pores and makes it rock hard. Okay, and having those little sticks and even the gypsum with little rocks, uh, that helps break up those little sand particles in the clay, and then mm-hmm. so it makes it so that it doesn't get so hard on you. And if you have a south or west exposure and you're wanting to add a little something that's going to hold some moisture, I'd add some coca core in there as well. Coca core, a compost, any kind of compost, anything with that has, I like things with a lot of, like peat moss is too fine. It doesn't loosen it up enough. So that's why I like to use something with a little compost with some, some sticks and some roughage. Some roughage, just like we have to. Mm-hmm. Like, like Metamucil for your garden. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is on the north side. So, you know, oh, okay. um, and we had uh, grass there at one time, so now we're just developing these flower beds. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, would you recommend putting manure in there then? Uh, you can use manure, yes, yeah, absolutely. You don't need don't need a lot of manure, but you can add that. That'll just add some compost into it. That's manure is a compost. But that's not going to solve the hard. It's not going to solve the hard. You still need those that meaty like like mid your mid loose. Metamucil roughage. roughage. Yeah, yeah. The roughage um, is what's going to loosen it up. For sure. And you guys do you carry the gypsum and cedar mulch in your stores? Yep. Most garden centers will. They'll have the bagged. You don't need that much, you know, because obviously those sticks will be there for a while. I like cedar because it doesn't break down as quick. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's pine mulch. There's, but I'm not using the nugget bark nuggets or anything. I'm using mulch. Okay. So it's finer shredded. Okay. And going into the winter with with uh, developed or with um, flower beds we've just planted this year, we just have to mulch them well. Can you just what do you mulch it with? Like you had mentioned. Um, using just leaves? Yeah, just leaves, or you can use that cedar mulch, and then once the cedar mulch in the spring, once you're done mulching, spread it out and working it into the soil, or using it as a weed barrier, um, either one. You can use them for both. Absolutely love your show. Thank you for taking the time every Sunday to give us advice and and to save marriages. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening. We're going to have to put it in our promo from now on. Thanks, Connie. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. one 877 Yeah, saving gardens and marriages alike. So I like I that. I wonder who won bet. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's take a quick break. We're going to get back to the text line as soon as we get back. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, still another hour on the way, at least for today's show and next week's show. We got two more shows left today and next yes. week that are two hour long shows. And then we're kind of winding things back just a little bit. Go back to an hour. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've still, we've got lots of text to get to. So we're not yep. in short of any nope. uh, nope. content today. That's for sure. Uh, but in the but, winter time, it winds down a little bit. The garden a little bit. You know, we still talk a lot about gardening, but not quite as much as we do in the summertime. So yeah, exactly. So uh, everybody will be making their houses tropical paradises and we'll have so much to talk about. Yeah. They'll want us to go back to two hours. Wow. There's so many stupid. <laughs> we bought all these plants for our deck and now they're all coming inside. There's plants everywhere in our house. It's getting silly. Like <laughs> it's awesome. It's like an hour long process to water everything. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a hobby now, Jay. It's a hobby. <laughs> it's an obsession is what it is. All right. Let's go to the text line. One eight seven seven three. Three two eight two five five. Who's the next one? This is Jeanette, who's just south of Saskatoon. You think it's crazy? My, my sister-in-law, she, she's an orchid crazy person, and her email ad, ad, address is orchidcrazy at gmail. Oh, really? <laughs> 
<laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so if you have any orchid questions, you can send it on that way. You just heard it. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> she also grew up in the family that was plant crazy to begin with, right? So, right. so kind I of mean, inherited it's, that. It's, it's uh, yeah. So she's yeah. She, she's just a fanatic. She loves her orchids. She has them all over the place, and so she's getting weaning them off now because she's not you know not around in the wintertime as much anymore. So she doesn't know where to, <laughs> know where to put the orchids anymore. So that's funny. Jeanette is on the text line just south of Saskatoon. Says they've got a glass jar with the hyacinth bulb in it for over a year. It did not bloom. Now it's pale. What did I do wrong? Should I have had fertilizer? One of the things, it might have been one that has not gone through a dormant stage. So you need to put it into a crisper of a fridge um, for probably, let it die back down. So take it out, um, stop giving it moisture, let it die back down into the bulb and then put it into a crisper of the fridge for six to eight weeks and then put it back into that um that uh, that bulb jar, and you don't need much fertilizer for them. You can put a little bit of the Schultz fertilizer in there, but remember, you just have water sitting in a jar. So if the sunlight hits that water, it's going to make the water go kind of LJE. Yeah. Yeah. If you have fertilizer in there, so that's why I wouldn't suggest fertilizing, especially when it's in a clear glass jar. Okay, all right. Uh, let's go to the phone lines because we've had one roll in here. We're going out to Abby, Saskatchewan, to talk to Doris. Hi, Doris. Hello. You want to talk about some flowers? Um, well, I bought some marigold transplants and some petunia transplants this spring, put them in, put them in my flower boxes that I've got, and they didn't seem to want to grow. Hmm. I gave them some miracle Grow fertilizer, and they just sat there. How often do you fertilize? Pardon me? How often did you fertilize? Uh, well, at first I didn't fertilize very often, but uh, I thought any other year it seemed to help them. And yep. It depends on your soil. You need to fertilize, especially when you're watering, when it's really hot out. You need to fertilize about every fourth watering. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you just leached all the food out of that soil and there's no, no nutrients for it to grow. One of the things that I found too with my little um, seedlings is I will give them, as soon as I plant them, I'll give them a pinch and I'll take the tips off of them. And then that will help them branch and grow a lot better. The other thing too is giving your greenhouse some feedback on that too. Call your garden center and say, hey, I bought some seedlings from you and they didn't necessarily grow. Um, sometimes some greenhouses are using some growth regulator and they might need to adjust the levels of growth regulator that they're using too. So giving them that feedback is always welcome as well too. And um, I put in, I mixed in some new soil yep. into the boxes, and any other year I've never had any trouble. But, you know, when I pulled the marigolds out, the roots were still the same as when I put them in. Oh. Hmm, that's interesting, yeah. They should, they should have rooted out big time. So the only the other right. thing that it could be is maybe some growth regulator yeah, then, too. Growth regulator or, yeah. Just and but there again, when you're watering that much in the summertime, just making sure that you're you're feeding them about every fourth to fifth watering. Um, make sure that you give them some of the nutrients. Um, it's very important. Okay. Another little tip too is when you have those transplants in those little containers, sometimes they're so root bound, the roots going around and around and around and around circles around the plant. So ruffling up those roots and spreading them out will help them sort of take to the soil instead of them continuing to grow around and around. Yeah, and around well, too. that's what I wonder because it looked like the roots were pretty root bound when I took them out of the little pots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so next year, ruffle them up a little bit, give them a little bit of prune and make sure you're fertilizing weekly and you should have some nice, beautiful plants. And another thing I wanted to ask, 
I put some uh, marigolds in along my step where I've always planted different kinds of flowers, and they just wouldn't grow at all. But, you know, I put some ant, um, what do you call it? Yep, killer. That yep. sprinkled that white ant stuff along there because I have a lot of ants. Yep. And I wonder if that didn't affect the roots. It should because most of that ant stuff is just diatomaceous earth and that shouldn't affect it at all. It shouldn't? Nope. Okay. Well, sorry, we got to go. Maybe I put too much on, and it uh, no, that did would something to the root. No, there that wouldn't too. affect it. I think maybe the same thing, and they might have been a bit root bound. Okay. okay. Thanks, Thanks for your call. Pretty, they were pretty small little pots that uh, the flowers were in. Yep. Well, try those them, try so. those things that we um, suggested, and give us your feedback next year. Thanks, Doris. we got to run because our news update is coming up right away here. So thank you for your call. We'll get back to the phone lines and the text lines as soon as we get back from this. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Hour number two, here we go with Garden Talk. I'm Jay Thomas, Jill and Rick Van Dyke with me. Beautiful blue sky, sunny day. And it's a Sunday, so hopefully you're enjoying it. All the colors out there are amazing. It's, yep. it's, <laughs> it's a pumpkin spice latte day, as my wife would say. Oh, it's fall pumpkin spice latte. So yeah. your wife is one of those warm fall drinkers who stands in line and is like, it's the day, it's the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, totally. I, I missed out on pumpkin pie last night. Pumpkin pie. Yeah. Where was pumpkin pie? We, we had a potluck with the whole, our community that was a small community that we're out at there out near Blockstrap. And, uh, and so we had a gathering on one of the empty lots and the whole, probably about 60 people oh, were there. Good. Wow. So it was right awesome. On. And, uh, and I was eyeing that pumpkin pie, but then I turned around, I was talking to people, and before I knew it, it was gone. It was gone? I yep. was thinking, we need to bring back the block party. Like, that was such That doesn't a happen thing. very much, it does it? It doesn't happen, but it's, I think it should happen. It was happen great. More. We all had name tags on so you could understand what lot they were from and where they're from, and you just get to meet everybody. It was just awesome. Well, even, even like, you know, on a regular city block. Yep. That's the thing that doesn't happen very much anymore. Yep. No. And people come and go and move, and, you know, that yep. you see people... In fact, I've even seen neighbors that I've introduced myself to just, I've seen them for years, never really said anything, hi. you know, hi don't or know the, that, don't, don't know their, their names. names, learned their names this year, yep. you know, but, uh, you know, things gotta, change quick. Got to get back to all that, you know, rather than just going in the garage door and closing the garage door and walking the house and not going in the backyard, not seeing anybody in the front yard, you know? I it's, know, it's, I know, totally. I think for me, the, the gardening and the plants has been something that I've been able to connect to a lot of my neighbors yeah. about because I'll go for a walk and I'll see someone working in their yard and then we start a conversation about their plants mm, yeah. and things like that. So just finding some nice uh, yeah. gardening can be something that really brings a group of people together too because there's so many things that we have Bringing in common. Bringing the small town community thing back into the city, that's what we need to do again. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think we all agree, totally. Yeah. Back to pumpkin pie for a second. Sorry. <laughs> 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 now I want pumpkin pie. Hey, speaking of which I wonder if anybody's been to Costco lately, if those are out already. Because oh, yes. those big pumpkin yep. pies. They're out. They are? I was there yesterday. I didn't see any. I'm pretty sure I heard people saying they're out. So. They probably are. The mystery is how they can make a pumpkin pie and sell it for that cheap because you can't buy all the ingredients. It's just like the rotisserie chicken. It's just to get you in the door. You Must be, but it's going to get the, me in the, the door. St- that's for they sure. They say down the States, the people are lined up around the block waiting for their pie. A Costco pumpkin pie. A Costco pie. pumpkin pie. Oh, man, I think I'm going to go there next. Okay, let's get back to the calls and the texts. Uh, in fact, we have sort of two texts and a call that kind of all coincide together. And it's all talking about this idea of getting your garden 
soil loosened up. So I think that's what, kind of what we're going to talk about here when we go to Regina and talk to Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi there. Morning. Morning. So you want to talk about your garden soil? What's uh, what's the question for us? Um, it's just it's really um, really hard, and even after tilling, it just it doesn't it just stays in clumps. Yep. And um, it's um, I just want to know what I can do to kind of help that. I've heard. You know, add manure. I've heard add compost. I've heard add sand. I've heard don't add sand. So kind of <laughs> do, do not add sand. Please do not add sand. You'll make okay. concrete for sure. Okay, perfect. I don't want concrete. <laughs> just stuff in it. Yeah, if you're going to add sand, you got to add what's called sharp sand, okay? Or or best is gypsum. Because sharp sand has, is crushed rock, okay? Where sand is just a fine, like a beach sand. That will make concrete for sure, okay? Okay. Uh, I don't even use pea gravel because it's round and it still won't help you compact. It has to be actually a crushed rock and okay. a very fine rock. Uh, but gypsum's best, and I like said I like using a cedar mulch, and I'll okay. rototill that in. If you want, if you can dig down to um, even not even just a rototiller, dig by hand, uh, dig down in the fall. Uh, and dig down deeper, so you because rototiller. If you rototill every year, it goes down whatever eight inches or so, approximately. Yep. And then what happens? If you do that every year. You would get what we call a hard pan, okay? Which okay. is a hard, basically a sill at the bottom of your topsoil. And yep. so what you can do is you can break that up. Uh, if you have a farm or an acreage, you can actually deep cultivate it. Right? That works really good because you're not bringing it all to the surface, but you're just breaking it up. Okay. Uh, now, if you can, just sort of dig down. You don't have to actually turn it if you want. Just dig down and loosen up that hard pan. Okay, just okay. give it a just give it a little tilt with your shovel, and okay. be careful don't break your shovel. Some of them are so hard, but uh, <laughs> but just give it a little tilt, and you break that hard pan. If you break that hard pan, you'll find that your your moisture will penetrate better, and even your roots will, and your soil will do a lot better rather than have that, that hard surface underneath. But otherwise, I like doing that in the fall because what happens is the frost breaks up all those lumps for the spring. Okay. okay? And one thing, if you have if you've had also potato bugs, the best thing I've heard from my, a lot of my customers is said they'll rototill their garden as late as they can in the season. So just before the f- ground's going to freeze, mm-hmm. it, it brings all those because those potato bugs are down six, eight inches down. They have so far to go down to protect themselves for the winter time. You actually rotate them up to the top of the surface, and then they freeze out in the winter time. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's one little trip I, I learned from my customers. They said that worked really well. So, um, but other than that, uh, adding compost, adding like I said, if it's really hard, I did that. I had a garden that had a, a, a plastic blue clay as a base underneath, and oh. I add my cedar mulch to it, and I could just pick out weeds with my hands. Oh, perfect. Okay. Perfect. That sounds great. I was just confused because you hear so many different things, and it's yep. like. I don't want to make it worse. Yeah, exactly. Do, do not use sand. People think sand will help loosen it up. It does not. It actually fills up all the clay particles, all the little holes in it, mm-hmm. and makes it like concrete. Okay, perfect. Okay. Well, thanks so, for your call, because that seems to be the question of the day today. Yep. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Danielle. You bet. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. To add to that, Doug and Moosman says he wants to add the cedar mulch to his garden. Yes. can only find the top-dressed decorative product, though.
That's what he's finding where he yeah. is. Where do you find the cedar to work in? What quantity do you use? And same thing with gypsum. How much do you use? Yeah. Gypsum, it'll tell you on the package usually how much to use in your garden. Um, per per, s- per square, square foot. foot. So much right? square foot. Yeah. Uh, the cedar mulch, I usually put about an inch layer, and then I work it in. I just want all those sticks into the, into the surface of the soil. Just makes it so that it do, doesn't get compacted and keeps it aer- aerated. And keeps oxygen in, and, and then it you just... can use the decorative one. Just try and find the mo- the finest decorative one. Don't because use most, the big, right? Most of the cedar mulch is almost nuggets, or it's pretty big use, stuff. Yeah, you don't want to use nuggets. It has to be fine. Like it's yeah, using a fine uh, mulch. Oh, that's why I like mulch because it's a lot. It's more string stringier, you know. Yeah. So it does look like you've got a bunch of sticks in your garden. Perfect. So okay. for Doug, yes, both those products are at uh, at Dutch Growers for sure. So yep. you can you always get them there, and most garden centers as well. Yep. Uh, okay, let's go back to the the. It's, phone it's called lines. a natural cedar mulch. Okay? Natural cedar mulch. Yep. Okay, all right. Uh, this is, along with this, there's just one text I want to keep answering here, and this is uh, from Jerry, who's in Stockholm. Says I'm putting manure in my garden. Should I till it in, or can I leave it for the winter? So do you leave it on top and till it in later, or do you work it in? Work it in. Yep. Okay. There you go. All right. So uh, we're going to keep going here. Over to Pamela, who's on the phone with us out of Saskatoon, wants to talk about grapevines. Hi, Pam. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I have some grapevines. They're about, I would say, five years old. And this year they really took off. They just grew an amazing amount. And I'm just wondering, do I cut them back in the fall or do you just leave them and, and they grow from there? Whatever you want to do. Oh, really? Okay. You leave them. I have some on a chain link fence that I've never cut back. And oh, really? it's a okay. massive. In fact, it's massive. You can't see through it. Okay. But if you if you want if you want to keep them a little bit more neat and tidy, you know, then you can cut them back. They'll grow right back again. It's not a problem. So whatever you okay. want to do. Okay. And I had a second question about canna lilies. Um, I have some canna lilies that I bought, and I put them into a mixed container outside, and they're absolutely gorgeous. Can I overwinter them, or is there a way to keep the tuber? I've never done it before. Absolutely. You can do the same thing with your dahlias, your cannas, your mm-hmm. calla lilies, um, any of those tender, begonias, any of those tender bulbs. So what you want to do is we're starting to get some cold nights now, so the frost is going to start hitting them a little bit and making them start go dormant. So you can take them out of your container. If they haven't quite um, died back down to the bulb, I would kind of dust that um, soil off of them, and I'd lay them maybe on some cardboard in my garage and let the, mm-hmm. let the leaves die back down to the bulb a little bit. Once they turn brown or sort of soft, then you can cut them off and then you can just store them in sort of a cold storage area or um, a garage that stays between like under th- maybe about three degrees. How should they store zero. them? I would store them, dust the soil off, and you can even get some um, do- bulb dust, which is almost like a sulfur powder. And you can sprinkle that on them, almost put them in a bag and shake them like shake and bake in there. And uh, then that sort of coats them. And then I just store them um, so do that I they're put, not touching. Do I put anything in the bag um, you, with them? You don't necessarily need to put anything in a bag with them. No, nope. just, just could, them by themselves. Yep. You can put, if you want to, some sawdust or something like that in with them just to help hold a little bit of moisture. Not very much. Not very much. And then, um, and then just store them so they're not touching um, in an area or you can even lay them out in a crate works really good and mm-hmm. um, store them for the winter next year, probably around February for my cannas, I would start them so they get nice and big. Um, those other ones you would start probably around March. Okay, and to start them, I just put them in a container with soil? and Exactly, container with soil. To get them started, they just need that warm soil temperature, um, and then once they start growing, that's when they need the light. light. Okay, once they start growing, then you put them in light. Yep. Yeah. 
Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for your help. Have a great day. Thanks you for the too. call. Thanks, Bye. I want to take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is how you join the conversation. And we've got Lorraine's call. We'll get to you as soon as we get back from the break. Many more texts as well. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Zooming through Garden Talk, I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyven Dyke. You hear all, see all the people running by with all wearing pink right now. It has begun. Everybody yep. has pink on all of their breast cancer run right now. There's a whack of people running by the station here. All of them wearing pink something. There's a few guys in pink tutus. I think yeah. that's pretty funny. Such a great cause supporting something that's yep. touched so many people. Um, it yep. all goes to the Cancer Society to help support research and uh, foundations in all the centers across Canada. It's actually the biggest race mm-hmm. nationally. Absolutely. You can still donate, by the way, if you want. Uh, in, for example, there's Canadian Cancer Society. Go to their website, the CIABC Run for the Cure. There's all kinds of ways yep. to donate. If you can't get out there and run, you can, just, you can help by sponsoring one of the runners. And you can do exactly. that by going online. Exactly. Okay, let's go back to the calls here. We've got uh, Lorraine, who's been waiting patiently in Prince Albert to talk about her amaryllis. Hi, Lorraine. Yes, good morning. I have a question about the amaryllis, what I, how I care for it now. Um, I had it out, planted it out in the pot in the garden, and I brought it in about three weeks ago, and the leaves are still green. And I'm just wondering, do I take those leaves off or... Like I took the bulb out of the pot and put it back in too as well. Yeah, so you want to decrease your watering so those leaves die back down into the bulb um, is uh-huh. what you want to do first of all. Then once the leaves die back into the bulb, you want to cut those leaves off and put them into a cold storage for about six weeks. And so that can be even a crisper of a fridge, but away from any vegetables and fruits um, is really important in that crisper. So don't put them next to... Uh, or, or if you had it outside, let it get some of those cool nights. That yeah. that also will trigger it, uh, being outside. Yeah, don't oh, let it like freeze. Don't let it but, freeze. But let it like hit some of those cool nights of like plus two plus one and then it will start saying oh i need to shut down a little bit and then you can bring it indoors and it's going to shut down a little bit for you too um and then once you do that you take it out of the crisper after about uh six six weeks and then you can plant it back up and it will start blooming um in about about another four to six very important though if you put it in the fridge and even in a crisper no fruit no apples, mm. no... Apples and oranges, oranges are the biggest are not going to stop you because the, the gases from those will kill the bulb, okay? So actually, if I if I just put it out on these nights, um, it would die back yep. naturally. Yep. And, just, uh, like, not, not, a, not on Wednesday because minus four. Wednesday and Thursday night, maybe not those oh, nights. Not those oh, nights. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, okay. And um, so we don't want the tops to freeze off. Yeah, we just want to get nice and cool so it tells them, okay, uh, it's getting cold at nights. Now I need to shut down. And, and okay. then and then then reset it to bloom for you, okay? Yeah, that's what I want it to do when yep. uh, when comes winter. <laughs> yep. To flower, okay. Uh, I think that's all I needed to know. And okay. thank you very much. Have Perfect. a good day. You thanks too. For thanks, Lorraine. Take Enjoy care. your amaryllis. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is from Winnie, who says I planted my garlic mid September, approximately four to five inches deep. It's now growing above ground. Should I dig it out and replant it or get new garlic and start over? Um, yeah, above ground is, is probably not great because, you know, especially if you get no, if you get no snow cover. Yep. If you got a place where it gets good snow cover or you can mulch it if you wanted to, that you could do that as well. Uh, but otherwise you want them down at least four inches. 
and then the, that way they won't. Uh, now, when she says that, I, my question for her: if, Is the bulb growing above the ground, or is it just the plant that's growing up? Because if it's just the plant that's growing yeah. up, the snow is going to cover it, and it will come back next year. But if the bulb has actually been pushed up, then you'll need to dig it up and put it down a little bit lower. Probably it's either that or harvest it. Yeah, take some of the bulblets and replant the bulblets. Yeah, right? okay, yeah. Okay, uh, this is Darlene, who's in Saskatoon. I've got two beautiful mandevilla plants still in full bloom. How do I prepare them to bring them indoors? Will they survive in the house? We're doing this in the greenhouse right now. So what you want to do is you want to start getting in on a spray plant. So if you haven't done this already, you grab some Endol. Um, I cut the plant down to about a third of its side first. Uh, enjoy those little cuttings, put them into a vase and enjoy them somewhere else. Those cuttings, though, will probably have aphids and spider mite on them around those buds. Um, mandevillas and diplodinias are are notorious for that. So that's why I cut them down to about a third and then I'll spray um, with Endol um, every 10 days for three applications. Um, then you can keep it in your house in just a bright sunny window, keep it growing for the winter time and just keep trimming it to keep it uh, keep it nice and full and bushy and uh, fertilize maybe about once a month. Um, or if you want it to go dormant, decrease your watering on it. It's going to drop some of its leaves again and then get it up and going. Um, you'd only water it maybe about once a month and then get it up and going again in February. But if you do want it growing, it has to be in a sunny window. In not a sunny okay. window. Yeah. yeah, south or west window is the best yeah. with the blinds open. Okay. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. In Saskatoon, Gord is on with us. Hi, Gord. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And you? Good. You want to talk about tulips, right? Yeah, is it too warm to start planting tulips? No, get them in the ground because you want them to root. Yep. Okay. Get them in the ground as soon as possible now and they will root. Don't forget you got to plant them six inches deep and so they're protected for the wintertime and uh, they'll pop up next spring and you'll enjoy the show. Right on. Okay, okay thank you. Thanks, Gord. Take Use care. Use a little bit of uh, bone meal or something like that with them too just to get them started. Okay, we're just about to our break here. A couple more texts we can squeeze in. This is from... Who is it? Gail in Regina. I've noticed many little bunches of green and brown clumps on my 40-year-old green ash tree. First time this happened was about four years ago. Took two years for the tree to look healthy again. Yeah, brown, brown or green plums. Brown or green clumps. <laughs> it's usually aphid gall. Okay, aphid you'll see gall. that also on poplars and that kind of stuff. So this next summer, you just need to spray for aphids. So you just need to you need to. Use some endol or some insecticidal soap or blossom with cold water. Any which way you can, uh, use some ambush on them, which is called bug X out now. Um, uh, otherwise, just control the aphids and control them early in the spring when the leaves first come out, and then you won't have that happening to you. This is from Darren, who's in Saskatoon. Hi, guys. I've got a blue spruce planted this June, so just, just a few months ago, yep. showing signs of yellowing needles on the inner parts of the branches. It's about six feet tall. Yep. Any idea on the cause? Just distress from transplanting that's all okay uh you will get needles will drop naturally every year i talked about at the very beginning of the show is that just stress will do it most of the time uh so just make sure that you give it a good watering in this fall and uh so right now you're slowing down the watering a bit right now unless it's really dry you need to give it a good watering right now and then again in two weeks time and uh otherwise next year fertilize it uh watch for spider mite because spider mites in the inside up and out and so there might have been some spider mite from the field where it came from before. 
And so you just want to check for that. And because uh, if the needle, the spiders were sucking on the needles all summer, and then you transplanted it, then of course that's a stress factor, and it's going to be show it's going to it's going to magnify it if there's insects on it. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, we'll squeeze one more in here. Irene in Martinsville. Good morning. I've got a rose bush beside the garden. It continually suckers into the garden. They need to be taken out or moved. Uh, what's the best time to transplant them? This fall or spring? Either one. I like spring better. I like April. Okay. Like yeah. By by around the fifteenth of April, as soon as the frost is out of the ground, as soon as the frost is out of the ground, not until May. I like doing it in April, so uh, you can do it in the fall too. But then just make sure, especially one that suckers like that, it's pretty tough. Uh, just make sure you mulch for the first winter. Okay. Still actually a big pile of text to get to. <laughs> Quite a few on the way, so we'll get to those on the way. And Heather's text will be up next after the break. So stick around. More to come. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We just got a ton of calls, a ton of texts to get through, yep. so we're going to go as quick as we, we can. Go, we got to do a power round. It's only one question at a time, and we'll get rolling through these. <laughs> exactly. Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. We're going to start with uh, the person waiting the longest, out to Birkdale to talk to Heather. Hi there, Heather. Hi. How uh, are you? Very good. good. What's your Hi. question for us? I was wondering about transplanting asparagus. Yes. What time of year and what works best? If you transplant them in the fall, then you need to mulch them, okay? That's important. Okay. Otherwise, do it first thing in the spring and uh, as soon as the ground is frosted out of the ground, and then away you go. Okay, fantastic. Okay. Thank you. You're Thanks a lot. Take care. one 877 uh, Let's go to Vanskoy and talk to Quentin, who's out there. Hi, Quentin. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I have a Calancholy. And um, this plant we've had probably six, seven years, and it's just gone crazy. It's on steroids. It's probably three feet wide and two and a half feet high. Can I um, can I cut it back? Because it's uh, like we bring it outside in the summer and we bring it back in the house in the uh, in the fall. So it, yeah, it's just going a little crazy for growing. The calancho. So the, the calancho. Um, yes. A calancho is a is a house plant that blooms. It's very tough, very hardy. You can cut it back, bring it inside the house, put it in a sunny area. It's in the succulent family, so it's going to grow with when it's not blooming a little less water than when it's blooming. But yeah, you can continue doing that every year. Um, just watch for aphids, and there's another bug called mealy bug on that one, which is like a little white cottony bug. Um, you can get rid of that with just um, some rubbing alcohol and a Q-tip if you have, see that bug. But continue to keep using it every year. If you want to take cuttings off of it, you can definitely propagate a new plant as well. Excellent. Thank you. You're Thanks welcome. a lot, Quentin. Take care. All right. Let's go to our next call. Out to Warman right now and talk to Joan. Hi, Joan. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, I have a question about um, planting potatoes in a raised bed. My husband has um, has made concrete panels that we wanted to use that are 16 inches high. And... We're wondering if we put commercial-grade landscape on the bottom, whether that would be enough to keep potato bugs out, because we are a horrible problem with that. Yeah, potato bugs will fly in over the top and go back into the soil the next year, so that's not really going to oh. help, okay? okay. So, but we learned but, a trick. If right? you if you dig up the soil in the fall and bring that soil, because they'll, they'll stay about like maybe about 20 yeah. centimeters under the soil, so if you bring that soil up to the surface late in the fall, that brings their eggs up and, and but, but the, the dormant but bugs. But the biggest one, if you're making that planter bed this year, plant some every sec, oh, in between every second plant or even every plant, if you wish, plant some onions. 
I have tried that. I did that last year. How did that work? My so, husband always rototills really late in fall yep. every year, yep. and that hasn't helped. Mm. We've done potatoes or the onion thing. We've done the matchstick thing that someone once talked about. Yep. We tried that. And so you got them bad. We've done, yeah. There you go. So. You got them bad. <laughs> Yeah, the raised garden will work good, but I mean they're going to fly in there and then they're going to they're going to do the same thing again. So I mean, oh, I've never seen them fly. So yeah, I don't know. know they would just crawl up there. Yeah, and oh, they'll still just... they'll crawl, they'll fly, they'll get there anyway. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah. but raised beds definitely work for potatoes. Um, the biggest thing is is that potatoes don't like a lot of organic matter. So, so. just make sure you don't have too too much compost um, in your in your raised bed when you're adding the soil in yeah. there. So what kind of soil should I put in? You should put a mixture of topsoil and a bit of a compost nut into it. Okay. What about but, nutrients or fertilizer? Yeah, nutrients, just use a potato. Actually, there's a potato fertilizer, which has an SS90 in it now, okay? So it has okay. a sulfur base in it as well. Uh-huh. And so okay. and it's made for potatoes. So it has very little, little nitrogen, but it has all the other micronutrients. Oh, perfect. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Joan. Take care. Okay, okay bye-bye. All right, one more call to get through. We're going out to Thunder Bay right now to talk to Ken. Hi there, Ken. Hello, yes, Ken. Good day. Hi. Um, yeah, I have I have a problem where uh, the last several years, uh, my tomato plant leaves uh, roughly halfway through the season, start to yellow and uh, die, and I've moved them around the garden, and it doesn't seem to make a difference. Um, and to add one more thing, I did do the test to see what my pH and uh, MPK levels, uh, the pH was roughly 6, and I think my M- uh, my nitrogen and potash are a little low. Well, one of the things is when we get later into the season, we're watering a little bit more often because it's hotter outside. So I tend to up my fertilizer on my tomato plants during that time. When I'm seeing the yellow leaves, it's usually for one of two things, not enough water or not enough nutrients. Or too much water, too. Yeah, or too much water. But uh, when it's hot, hot in the summer, usually it's not too much water. So you need to up your nutrient level a little bit. So um, maybe if you're fertilizing, maybe about once every two weeks, you can do it once a week, or you can do once if you're doing it maybe once a month then fertilize um once every two weeks and so, also your ph you said was around six it should be 6.5 to 7 okay so you if it's okay. that if it's that low you might add just a little tiny bit of lime to it to bring it back up to 6.5 to 7 okay would dolomite be okay with yep. that yes oh perfect okay. okay well thank you very much you're welcome Th- thank All you right. have a great day ken take care all right, over to the text line. We're going to go keep going with this because we got so many to get to. This is from Linda, who's in Langham. I have a perennial grass called Red Rooster. It's not for our climate. Can I dig it up and put it in the basement for the winter, put it back again out next summer? Would that work? Yep, just trim it down. That perennial grass, Red Rooster, you could bring it in and keep it as a house plant for the wintertime. Okay. Now, remember, it might have some bugs on it, so make sure you just watch that. And biggest one you'll see is spider mite spider on that mite guy. grasses, yeah. Okay, so the, that's that's good to do. Okay. Colleen and Moose Jaw, when and how much can I trim my Mugo pine? It's 10 feet tall, 12 feet wide. <laughs> only, to, only to you still, still see green needles. If you trim it back, so you just see sticks. It'll take a long time, like four or five years, for it to come back. So those are okay. one you got to kind of keep on top of on so a regular that, basis. If it's that big, it might be, and you need to get it down to like three or four feet. It's time for a chain and a truck and to pull it out and grow a dwarf mucopine. Okay, uh, Lynn, who's from Kendall, Saskatchewan, says, "Good morning, Garden Talk. My gladiolas are done blooming. What do I do with them now or soon to winter them?" 
Yeah. Hang Sa- them. Same things that you would do with your cannas. You want to dig them up, hang them to dry, or lay them out to dry, and then store them for the winter in yep. cold storage. Okay. Gary's in Saskatoon. What do you do with strawberries for the winter? They're really thick and still producing some berries. Yeah, yeah you just keep letting them produce for the for the winter season right up until the end, and then you can mulch them with a little bit of uh, straw or um, some bark dry mulch. leaves, bark mulch Anything like that. Um, for the winter. Peat and then moss. in the spring, um, you can take those runners and replant them. Yep. Hey, Tom, who's in Carlisle, says, how do I kill a tree stump that's cut close to the ground? They're about two to two and a half inches wide. Um, They're not very big. Not very big. You can just drill some holes in them and they'll rot naturally, you know, by the water getting into them. You can get a product called Stump Remover as well, so you can put into it. It helps make them punky and rot quicker. Uh, or you can... Uh, Round up? Or you can dig them up, or rent a, what's called a, a, a stump grinder. Right, right, or it gets Roundup somebody... won't work because Roundup only works if it touches green. Right, yeah, it has yes. to touch green. It won't kill the stump itself. You have to let it regrow and then spray it onto the leaves. Yeah, nobody wants that. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Julie's in Battleford. Fall fertilizer on lawns. Uh, yes. Use Scott's brand. With drought, the lawns are very dry. Yep. Is it okay to apply the fall fertilizer? Should I water it first, and how much water after yep. the fertilizer? The soil yep. is very sandy. If it's so really dry, water first. Fertilize water again. Mm, and okay. put it on as soon as possible. Okay, yeah, I've already done mine, so it's okay. ready to go. Uh, Susan, good morning. I need some advice in developing a backyard flower bed. I'm on a limited budget. Any advice where I can go or who I can hire? Well, uh, there's lots of different local places that you can go and hire. Getting somebody to do it this fall, this though, fall is going to be is going to be hard. But get your name in for next spring if you want to. Um, just look them up, or you can call the the garden center. We've got a list of suggestions for that small of a project, too. though. There's lots of people you can check on on your Facebook um, marketplace or Kijiji and that kind of stuff. Your local areas, there'll be some people in the handyman that might be able to do that. Well, are we? And is, is Dutch growers still offering advice with stuff like that? We will definitely give you advice for more of the DIY. Um, um, gardener, but we do not have crews that go out and do it. Yeah. Right, but if you want to do it yourself, mm-hmm. just on developing it, oh, if yes. you're gonna Easy. you're gonna put the work in. Yeah. You can always stop on by the stop outdoor sales. When you stop on by, take a picture of your yard, draw a rough sketch out, um, bring that into the store, and then yep. we can help sort of get you started. So that information you can get at Dutch Growers. Square feet of how big the garden you want to do, right? So yeah, yeah. this the square footage, the which way, rough drawing, which way's facing, right, and then some ideas for plants, North, south, east, west. Yeah, and the people that work in outdoor sales can definitely help out with that, yeah, right? Absolutely, yep. we can help There's you. lots of people with good experience at Dutch Growers in Saskatoon with, with getting that going. And there's all kinds of fall sales on right now, too, at the garden centers. Right, yeah, so. I didn't think of that either. Uh, Shirley's in Saskatoon. We discovered slugs in our flower bed this summer, especially on the evening primrose and uh, bugleweed. We yes. picked them out one by one, but never eradicated them. They have may come on a plant we bought, you know, uh, yep from somewhere. Will they survive the winter? Is there something we can put on the soil now so they don't return in the spring? No, if no just you'll have to go out next year with your flashlight and pick them or otherwise use some slug baits. There, Most of the slug baits are pet friendly now and uh, so otherwise use baits or otherwise there's some different little things you can put out like a even a cottage cheese container bury in the ground and put some beer in it and all the kind of things. A pie plate with beer will, yeah. will, will kind of go into that area. They love the yeast and they'll, yeah. they'll go to that area as well. Okay, let's take a quick break. We've got more text to get to. The lightning round is coming up, so stick around. We're going to answer as many as we can. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. It's the lightning round on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and we've got just a whole pile of calls yep. and texts to get to. One koala, anyways. Iroquois Lake is who we're going to right now with Judy. Hi, Hi Judy. Hi, there. Hi there. What's your question for us? 
Well, I'm wondering how. Uh, what's the proper way to winter hostas? To winter hostas, just put them, yeah. leave them in the ground outside, and uh, yeah. you can mulch them a little bit, and that's all you have to do. That's it. That's, that's it. Cut them off or anything. No, no you t- cut them off in the spring. Just once, once that's the best time to yeah. do it is first yeah. thing in the spring, yeah. but that's all you need to do. Not much. And I'm wondering about my lilacs. Do I have to cover them, or will the deer bother them? Uh, deer will bother them if they're hungry. So if you get a really crusty snow in the middle of wintertime, they'll go after lilacs. Otherwise, that's the last thing they'll go after. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Good. Good thanks, thanks, Judy. Okay. Take care. Okay. Yep. All right, over the text line, we got a lot to get through. We're going to go as fast as we can. Jackie from Prince Howard. Last year, I brought an am- bought an amaryllis. It only grew, grew three leaves, so I put it outside for the summer where it grew three more leaves. Sh- what should I get to get blooms on it? Well, what you have to do is you have to allow it to go dormant now. So, so take, let the cold nights hit it, yep. bring it indoors, put it in cold storage for six to eight weeks, then bring it up and start pl- And a light frost is not bad for them as long as it doesn't freeze the bulb. Okay, the top can get a touch of frost, but not the bulb itself. Yeah, and, and amaryllis is a tropical plant, so you want to be a little bit more yep. careful with yep. them. Okay. So. Uh, Roberts and Rostern, good morning. I have some African marigolds, uh, Antigua yellow, that are gorgeous. Want to transplant to pots and place them in my south-facing sunroom for the winter. Is it a good idea or not? And what do you think for suggestions, you know, for methods of care? That is a not. Um, they are annuals, which means that their life cycle is to bloom, produce seed, and then die. They're not so going to make it. You'd have to collect the seed from them, which is just under the flower. Then you can plant those seeds, and then you'll have the recycle. Yeah, germinate, yep. plant, all that stuff, right? Yep. Okay, so otherwise the, the adult plant just won't make it. it just, nope. It's going to have It'll an end run of its out life. Of steam. It'll run out of steam. Yeah. Okay, uh, this is Marie and Humboldt. I've got a garden soil that is mostly clay, so it gets very difficult to dig into. We've kind of talked about this. And pull weeds. I hear if your program gypsum works into the soil in the spring would be beneficial. We have lots of leaves to rake up in the yard, mostly yep. poplar. Would it work to deep... Deep, sorry, the thing jumped. Would it work to deep till these in the fall? We also have potato bugs, so deep tilling, we talked about, yep. beneficial and for that, that, right? And do that all later on in the fall, as late as you can, okay? So she's asking, do I put them in the bags of, of leaves in the fall, or do I bag them and spread them over the garden in the spring and till them then? Either one. If you're going to get rid of the potato bugs, you want to do it in the fall. Right. Right, because you're going to push the potato bugs, because they're down about 80 inches in the soil. You want to bring them to the surface, so that they die in the, from the cold in the wintertime. So it's probably less work just to put your leaves in the garden in the late fall, yep. till it up so we can kill the potato bugs and rototill the leaves in, yep. instead of having to bag them, yep. then do it and again in the spring. And you may want to do a light rototilling before you plant the garden in the spring again. Okay, so kind of either or, it really doesn't yep. matter. Uh, Chad is in Quill Lake. I planted six tomato plants this spring. All the tom- tomatoes ripened bright yellow. They're not the yellow varieties of tomatoes that I planted. Ever seen this? They ripened bright yellow. I've yep. never seen that unless they maybe there was a mix-up in the, the seed. seed. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. So he bought seed packages that weren't supposed to be yellow, but mm, maybe something. They got, maybe they got mixed up somehow. Which can um, happen. If they weren't quite, they'd usually be more green. Um, or no, oh, no sunlight. No, but right? they wouldn't ripen. They would dip it green. They wouldn't ripen to a to a yellow. So most likely it's the wrong variety, which which does happen every once in a while too. I mean, sometimes things can get mixed up. Okay, uh, Nikki is in East End or just outside of East End. Wondering how long I could keep my carrots and potatoes in the ground, and if I should keep watering them. 
you can keep them in the ground for quite a while. Um, I don't know if I would keep watering them. Slow down on your watering a yep. little bit. You don't want them to start rotting on you with these cold temperatures. Yep. And then when you dig them up, make sure you clean all the dirt off of them, and then you can store them in a fridge, um, and they'll last for quite and a long they'll, time. They'll, they put a tarp over top of the garden, too, if you've got some heavy frosts, and that'll just keep the frost out of the ground. And you, they'll, they'll, they'll keep way better out there and fresher for having for your until you have to dig them out. Let's go to Prince Albert right now and talk to Joe. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Getting ready to put my lawn to bed for the winter yep. and having aerated uh, early this week. Yep. Just wanted to know when is the best time to use a pre-emergent fertilizer on the lawn? Should I do it in the fall or should I wait till the springtime? I'd wait until the springtime because then because it does break down, and so you yeah. don't want it to break down too much if we get some rains this fall or that kind of stuff. So put it down in the spring, just okay. be, just before your weed starts to your your weeds start to go to seed. Okay, because your biggest one in the spring is dandelions, right? Right, absolutely. So if you yeah. do it just when the dandelions come into flower, right, uh-huh. before yeah. they go into seed, do it then. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Thank right. you. Thanks, so. Take care. Goodbye. All right, back to the text line. Uh, this is Marie in Prince Albert. My honey crisp apples have brown patches inside the apple, which I've never seen before. Yep. What so, causes this? Yeah, that'll be the that'll be the, the the worm. The worm. Yep. So it's the apple maggot. So you need to pick those apples. Um, you can still do the whole, um, you know, fear factor thing and just eat them anyways. It's all protein. <laughs> and, uh, but otherwise pick the apples. If you want to get rid of them, don't let them hit the ground. Cause if you let them pick them up off the, hit the ground, then they've gone into the ground and they'd start to cycle back over again next year. And then right. put some, put some traps, whether it be some sticky traps or some apple lures and that kind of stuff to trap them next, next, uh, uh, late spring. Okay, uh, Kevin's in Saskatoon. Would using the city's free compost work on my garden to break up the compacted soil, or is the yeah, gypsum absolutely. and cedar mulch better, though? Either one. Either one. Yep. Their compost is full of all kinds of all stuff. All kinds of stuff. It's all mixed with all different kinds. It's just not leaves and everything else, so it works out perfect. So go ahead with that one. Yes. And, it's, and it's free. It doesn't yep. cost anything. You can pick it up, right? Yep. Uh, this is, not sure who, but can you tell me what would make a good privacy hedge? Good privacy hedge. Uh, a guy I talked to earlier about he's pruning down his, his dwarf Korean or Myers lilac. Great one. Uh, Cantoni aster hedge, alpine current hedge. Uh, any one of those three will be perfect. And if you don't have a lot of space, a chain link fence and some grapevines yep. or, or, some, or cedar hedge, whatever. Yeah, right? that works yeah. great too. Cedar hedge is tough though because you got to like wrap it, right? Well, yeah. Some, some of you know, some of the skybound cedars or homestrop, you don't have to wrap them. Mm, but. Okay. All right. If we didn't get to your text, we will definitely get to it off the air here. Just a few we didn't get to. So, Hopefully we got uh, your question answered, but we'll that text went you back. by so quick, very fast, <laughs> very fast. <Yep. laughs> okay, we got to run, but thank you for okay. joining us and for listening today. And we'll catch you same time, same place next week for our last two-hour show of the season, which is uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right? So see you then. Yes. Okay, and pick up that pumpkin pie from Costco while you can get your hands on it. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.